Well, howdy, Huda Thunkers. This is the host of the Huda Thunkin' Podcast, Zeb, coming at you. Episode 109, uh, titled Finders Keepers. Now, um, before we get into it, we're going to start it off with the recommendation segment. And this recommendation segment ties directly into the main uh, topic, the main event of the episode. Um, it's about a movie in, in the late 90s called A Simple Plan. It's a very simple name for a movie, A Simple Plan. Starring Billy Bob Thornton, Bill Paxton, and Brent Briscoe, this movie is about greed and how it can destroy lives. Uh, here's Google's plot summary. While in the woods near their small town, an upstanding local, Hank Mitchell Paxton, played by Bill Paxton, um, his dim brother, Jacob, played by Billy Bob Thornton, and their friend, Lou, played by um, Briscoe, discover a crashed plane with two things in it, a dead pilot and a stash of money, uh that was four million dollars worth so four million dollars of money in a dead pilot although hank is reluctant to keep the money jacob and lou convince him otherwise and they devise a plan to split the fortune things quickly go wrong however dramatically affecting the trio and those around them a simple plan directly ties into today's topic so let's get right into it i cannot remember what class it was or even if it was high school or college um, now that I think about it, it might have been like philosophy course on ethics. That might make sense. But we, I watched this in school. I watched this in a class, this movie. And um, I don't know if it was the whole movie or just part of it, but I watched it later because it, was, it wasn't a bad movie. It's, I rec that's why I recommend you watch it. It's kind of fun and an interesting thought experiment. I remember watching a movie in class one day titled A Simple Plan, and I've been thinking about it. comes up in my mind quite often. Um, just because, like I said, it's a, it's a thought experiment. You want to put yourself in that situation. What would you do if you came across, you're out in the woods, in the middle of nowhere, plane crash, dead pilot, $4 million? I don't know. I don't know what I would do. IMDb gives another, you know, more brief summation of the movie. We're going to go with another another plot summary because it's so integral to our episode. Three blue-collar acquaintances come across millions of dollars in lost cash and make a plan to keep their find from the authorities, but it isn't long before complications and mistrust weave their way into the plan. So basically, what happens is Bill Paxton's character, he's the smart one. He's the one who wants to give the money back, doesn't want to deal with it. The other two are like, no, let's keep it. Bill Paxton's like, we need to all keep this money at my house, not even talk about it for a year. You can trust me. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to do anything with it, okay? I just want to keep the money and safe and away from the authorities. And after a year, I'll give it to you and we'll, we'll use it. And it, you can see how mistrust. And in the moment, you might be to your buddy like, yeah, you keep this $4 million we all found together. Um for a year but then like six months go by and you're like uh did he just buy a new tv wonder where he got that money you know what i mean so it's an interesting thought experiment the other day i was thinking about this movie and how this situation might apply to the real world if i found four million dollars in the woods like this would it be legal to keep it uh the short and unsurprising answer is no aside from everything else they found a dead body and they didn't report it <laughs> that i believe is wrong by the legal and ethical sense so uh but let's say i found four million dollars just inexplicably inexplicably lying in a pile in the woods which let's just say it's not even on a pallet it's just stacks of cash in the woods no container just there no way to know who it, who owns it there's no sticky note that says 
uh, you know, four million. This four million dollars of cash belongs to me, Bob. I'll be back in thirty minutes. No, nothing there. Just cash. No name or anything other to identify identify ownership. Um, could I keep it then? Ethically, I don't see why not. I mean, I don't know. It's so much more money that it's. If you found like one dollar, you'd be like, yeah, just take it. But a four million dollars in the woods, no explanation. I'd probably be looking around to see if I could see like a sniper spot glint in the woods of someone that trying to trap me or something. I don't know. I I, I would go nuts if I found $4 million <laughs> with no container in the middle of the woods. If you turn that into the police, then according to the inquirer.com, they get to keep it. Quote, Pennsylvania law stipulates that seized money um, inquire. This is the Philadelphia inquirer, by the way. Pennsylvania law stipulates that seized money go directly into the coffers of law enforcement agencies, creating what experts say is an incentive to take as much property as possible. I didn't read the rest of the article. I'm sure it's all like not cop bashing, but good, reasonable points as to why that shouldn't be the case. But a Pennsylvania state law enforcement, if they seize money, they get to keep it. Um, if you report the money, it's a little bit different, uh, I think. But I would not be surprised if in that situation, me, Zeb, in the woods, walking around, find $4 million, no name, no container. I say, hey, cops, there's $4 million here. The cops would just keep it. You know what I mean? If I didn't fill, if I didn't take other precautions or something or have connections to the governor or something like that, they would just keep it. They wouldn't care. They'd be like, no one, no one wants to talk to you, whatever. Anytime I called, they just ignore me or hang up or whatever. Legally, it is not okay to keep this hypothetical four million. Yeah, sorry to disappoint any of you out there, but finders keepers is not a legal precedent for this situation. As the finder of the money, we'll get into this later, but if you find money, if you find valuables or property, you have a teensy bit more claim to it, but not really. Um, the idea is you find the person who lost it. Even though money doesn't have the name of its owner on it, like a check or a serial number on a car that belongs to a specific person or individual, it is still property. So technically speaking, found cash still belongs to the person or entity that last possessed it. So that's if if you're just this more morally more not morally but ethically minded person you always do the ethically right thing you find money your immediate thought should be i need to find who this belongs to now we're all human that isn't always the case i find a dollar bill in the ground i'm like sweet i got a dollar <laughs> i don't i don't really give a crap who lost it it's a dollar i'll just give the dollar back to you <laughs> but what i'm saying is immediately i would take it you should though ethically speaking look to who it belongs to this applies to all amounts of legal tender. Again, I'm speaking technically. I think everyone will agree that a $1 bill found on the sidewalk won't be something that anyone will be taken to court over. And if you would, I feel like the court would just kick you out. You know, the court does not deal with tri in trivial things like a dollar because there's no money in it. This sort of reminds me of, you know, like when a kid opens up a lemonade stand on their front lawn, technically that is illegal. And the kid or parents of said kid should have acquired all necessary permits and... You know, yes, you can do this to open a business, but I don't know what goes into open a business, but who rats on a little kid's lemonade stand? Just let it go. It's common law. Everyone says, like, don't be a don't be a, a dick. Just let them run their lemonade stand. You know, um, I put a, I actually looked it up. I said, anyone, has anyone ever actually reported a lemonade stand, a little kid's lemonade stand? They have. I linked it in the blog. You can click on it. In that instance um, that I linked to, 
the cops who responded to the lemonade stand call just wound up buying some lemonade themselves and moving on with their day. <laughs> I think the main issue was they were like, I think they said like, hey, don't leave signs in the roadway. That's dangerous. But yeah, I'm not going to report your, I'm not going to turn you in for operating an illegal business. Um, so that's the sort of thing that it's it's like common law. We all say, we all see a kid selling lemonade on the street. We're not going to be like, oh, I know they're doing that illegally. I'm going to call the cops. No, you just either buy some or don't. You don't really have to either. Um, I feel like the same situation here. You find $5 on the, on the ground. Am I going to be like, he's a thief because he put it in his pocket? No, it's five bucks in the ground. He found it. I don't, I don't have any more claim to it than he does. He probably does a little bit more because he found it. I didn't. But uh, for amounts of money under $100, it seems the rules surrounding whether you should keep it falls under common law like that. It's like an ethical gray area. Most people would just keep it. I would. You would probably too. Once again, technically, it is illegal to claim any amount of money, even a penny, uh, just because you found it. You should technically report it to the police. Uh, but practically speaking, if you walked into a police station with a $5 bill and you said, sir, sir, please, I found this $5 bill on the sidewalk and you, you wanted to report it missing they would probably just laugh at you and tell you to keep it or they just wind up pocketing themselves like oh i'll take care of that miss i'll i'll get to the bottom of it just put it in their pocket go buy a donut because they're a cop <laughs> but over 100 amounts seem to be more heavily policed um over 100 it's kind of like well you really should have put more effort it like seems like the more money it is the more effort you should put into finding out who it belongs to you find a hundred dollar bills in a store there's a you're supposed to report it to the manager but most people be like, well, the manager is going to keep it. If you find, uh, you know, $1,000, it's like, wow, I really shouldn't just pocket this. I could get in legal trouble. Um, and if, if I'm just talking to talking to my friend, like, what should I do in this situation? I would probably tell them, uh, yeah, you should probably not keep it. You'll get in trouble. It's not worth it. Um, but, you know, and then there's also, <laughs> we talk about amounts here. Anything over 10000 is watched closely by a big brother. According to the IRS website, federal law requires a person to report cash transactions of more than 10000 to the IRS if they receive um, in a lump sum, in two or more related payments within 24 hours, as part of a single track transaction within 12 months, or as part of two or more related transactions within 12 months. So anything over 10 grand, um, the IRS looks at it. And if you find over 10 grand in the woods and just put in your bank account, the IRS can be like, where'd that come from? <laughs> you can't just do that. You got to report it in some way. Uh, and, and if you did that, if you put 10,000 in, you'd be like, look, you, I have a police report that I tried to find the owner. Then you're probably going to be okay and allowed to keep it. But otherwise you just, it pops out of nowhere and it, it looks weird. Um, like if you accumulate $10,000 of cash and just leave it under your mattress and then put it in the bank, the IRS is going to come knocking. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but then I found this nifty little article on patch.com posted back in 2011, um, is written by a guy named Doug Humes. He claims to have gone to law school and to be an expert on law within the state of Pennsylvania, where I'm making this podcast. Um, whenever things are complicated, it depends on where you are. I just pick where I am because that's where I am. It's most related to me, and most of my listeners are here anyway. Um, and this Doug Humes guy had a pretty interesting article. He was talking about a guy who, an old man, had a sack of Crown Royal, an old crown royal bag if you know what i'm talking about it's just a bag it's purple and he had tons of cash in it and he lost it there was an article saying if you find it you have to report it at that point if you read that article you know who the owner is you cannot keep it but let's say 10 years from now from when the guy lost it that bag was found they'd never read that article you could probably just keep it 
Doug said that back in the hunter-gatherer times of man, disputes surrounding property were settled with clubs and violence. But then the law came around and things changed, such as English common law had made a distinction between property that was on the surface of the ground and property that was buried or had become buried by some means. Maybe not physically, maybe just over time. Common law is defined as a uh, body of unwritten laws based on legal precedents established by the courts. Common law influences the decision-making process in unusual cases where the outcome cannot be determined based on existing statutes or written rules of law. So we've, I've talked about common law before in this podcast. I just like going over the definition of it because I feel like it's such an inefficient way to do things. <laughs> Be like, it's common law. You mean like how you feel about it? No, it's precedence. It, it does have some kind of legal backing to it, but it's not written down. So I think it's a terribly confusing thing, common law. This common law stated, um, the English one about the buried stuff, this common law stated that if property was lost or abandoned above ground, then whoever found it was entitled to the property. Doug refers to, uh, Doug refers to the 1722 case where a young chimney sweep boy found jewels in a chimney. The local jeweler claimed that they were his, but the court ruled in favor of the boy because he's the one who found it and they're above ground. If property was found underground, then the rules changed. If the owner of the buried property could prove it belonged to them, then it was rightfully theirs, the owner. And in this instance, the person who found it would, would not even be entitled to a reward. But if the buried property was found underground with no clue as to whom it belonged to, then it was considered like treasure, you know, buried treasure. Depending on the time and the place where this treasure was found, it could legally belong to the person who found it, the person who owned the land it was found on, or the king who ruled over the country it was found in. For the last like 500 years or so, England is uh, a country where buried treasure belongs to the king or queen of the land. And the U.S. has sort of taken that legal precedence as well. But instead of a monarchy, it goes to the state, not the king. Um, this is called escheatment. I had no idea this was the thing, so I looked up this definition as well. Escheatment, or escheat, I think that's how it's pronounced. That's how it's spelled, E-S-C-H-E-A-T. Escheatment is the process of a financial institution handing over the unclaimed property to their state. So that includes bank accounts, assets, or any other property unclaimed for an extended period of time. And if a person dies without leaving a beneficiary to their property, it becomes it becomes escheated or claimed by the state. How, how wonderful. The government gets to keep it. <laughs> At the very bottom of this blog, I've included a graph um, from PatriotSoftware.com where I found out about escheatment that breaks down the uh, time necessary for various forms of finance to be escheated to the state pennsylvania it's like three years um for bank accounts and stuff so three years um if i a pennsylvania resident were to leave a bank account unattended for three years and the bank couldn't reach me or anything to say like hey this is your money my money would go to the state i would hate it i'd be like hey i they could reach out to me or i could reach out to the state and let them know hey there was a mistake i need my money back if i could prove that it was my money probably by filling out a bunch of annoying bureaucratic forms then they would give me the money back that's how it's supposedly supposed to go. I haven't known my government to be very good at giving people their rightful property back as much as they are at taking it away, but I, I digress. So in my state of Pennsylvania, the common law is as such. If you find something, something of value, then you are entitled to that found item no more or no less than everyone else except the actual owner. They are the number one person who gets it. They're the owner. So here's Doug. Here's how Doug Humes 
uh, puts it that a uh, guy who went to law school is an expert in Pennsylvania law um, with his legal jargon. I didn't want to paraphrase this because it's 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 a lot. In Pennsylvania today, the state of the, of the law is that the finder of lost property has a valid claim to the same against all the world except the true owner, and that the finder of money has title to it against all the world except the true owner. So other cases suggest that the place in which a lost article is found does not con- constitute any exception to the general rule of law that the finder is entitled to it as against all persons except the owner. The right of the finder depends on his honesty and entire fairness of conduct. The circumstances attending the finding must manifest good faith on his part there must be no reason to suspect that the owner was known to him or might have been ascertained by proper diligence. So if you reach out or reach into an unlocked house and find, quote unquote, find some quote unquote lost cash that is just sitting on the table, you're not going to be able to legally keep that money because it wasn't you didn't find it. You didn't. It wasn't lost. You took it. If you have a reasonable idea as to whom the property belongs to or how to track him down, then that property was never really lost. True story. The day before I was writing this episode, my fiance and I were in Walmart buying a new trash can for the house we just bought. As we went up to the self-checkout register, I noticed two $20 bills sticking out of the cash dispenser. Uh, that money was not mine, and it was not lost because I saw the last guy who was using the register walking away. I yelled very loudly to get his attention. He smiled, thanked me, and got his cash, and he said, you know, you could have kept that. I, I simply said, nope, and he just walked away. I could have possibly staked a claim in the cash if I had come upon it and not known or seen anyone around to claim it. However, I assume Walmart has camera cameras pointed at their registers, and I bet they'd be able to identify who the money actually belonged to. Um, and, you know, if I would have turned the cash into Walmart to a Walmart employee, they could have told me that they were just going to track down the guy and who it belonged to and then just pocketed it. But I can only control how I would react to the situation, not anyone else. So I probably would have just given it to Walmart. I'm not going to keep 20 bucks. No, there's cameras. I'm not getting into that legal issue. The law, at least in PA, says that the finder has to have some minimum level of integrity when attempting to find the true owner. Here's another true story of mine. When I was about 13 or 14 years old, I was headed upstate to on a hunting trip with my dad and his friend whom we called Doc. We stopped in a grocery store to get some food before uh, we reached our destination. As we were strolling through the bread aisle, I looked down and saw a $100 bill on the floor. I immediately pointed it out to my dad and Doc. I'll never forget their looks on their faces. They were amazed and then puzzled about how they're going to deal with it. I'll also never forget how the two adults there handled the situation. Um, I always, I remember these, I remember it like I was just yesterday. We first looked around to see if there's anyone there, no one in sight. Then while the three of us just stood there looking at a hundred dollar bill on the floor, no one touched it. Doc just said, did anyone lose anything over here? Um, just to see if he could get anyone to, with an earshot to answer. No one did. Then my dad and doc discussed what to do next. Uh, my dad said, I don't think anyone is around us. And if we turn it into the staff, doc cut him off and said, yep, they'll just pocket it. So he said, how about this? We'll stand near it. And if anyone comes by and seems to be nervously looking for something, we'll explain that Zed found it and give it back to them. Uh, what followed was (laughs) kind of like a comical scene with my dad, doc and I, 
just uh, pretending to be shopping for bread while keeping one eye on a hundred dollar bill on the floor. We were like faking shopping to see if anyone was coming by. <laughs> it was really weird. I can't remember how long we waited, but after enough time of no one coming back, uh, come to look for lost money, Doc decided it was rightfully mine since I was the one who found it. I felt like the luckiest kid in the world that night. Uh, I felt a little guilty for claiming something that I hadn't earned, but I got over that by talking through the ethics of the situation with my dad and Doc. They told me to never tell a soul, just because, just in case I get in legal issue or whatever, uh, but I've never been good at keeping secrets, and it was like 20 years ago. So I ended up I ended up spending the money on movie tickets, popcorn, sodas, and Annie Ann's pretzels for a big group of my friends one night, so it was shared amongst the community. I have no idea what movie we saw, but it was money well spent. Um, I think it's funny how, like, however many years later, uh, as I'm looking up the legality of finders keepers for a podcast, I realize what the way that my dad, Doc, and, and I handled the situation was relatively legal. It's kind of how it goes. We tried to find out who owned it, couldn't. It was the person who found it, mine. So that's pretty cool. There are some exceptions to this common law of finders keepers, though. If a government employee, such as an on-duty police officer, finds unclaimed property, then he or she is obligated to report said property as they are not just an individual, um, they are an agent of the state. And my screen blacked out just a property the individual found it if the owner of the lost or abandoned property doesn't claim it it does not go to the police officer who found it it is then property that is cheated to the state so if a cop on duty finds something it's like they're not even an individual they have no right to that at any point even if nobody claims it it just goes to the state so to sum things up if you find money and there's any form or of identification with it or perhaps someone nearby is walking around saying they lost money then no, you can't keep it. Doing so or lying to the owner about it, finding it uh, would be considered theft. Don't do that. But if you find money or property that is absolutely no reasonable way to determine who it belongs to, then there's a chance you could keep it. A very slim chance. Most governments require that the lost or abandoned property be reported and turned into the state. And if no one comes forward after a specified amount of time, then it could be given back to the person who found it. But I, like I said, I'm mistrusting. I don't think they'd ever actually give it back. While I find myself trying to get an overall rule of finding finding money and how it how everyone views it, it's very difficult. But because, you know, every state and country is different. HG.org summed it up pretty well. It's kind of a blanket area here. Good summation of what I found. And I'm quoting HG.org. Obviously, the time and expense of trying to find someone over a few dollars is so prohibitive that while very technically legal or illegal, keeping these sums is acceptable. As the Latin saying goes, de minimis or min, minimis non current lex, the law does not bother with trivial things. Of course, if you find this money and someone is walking around looking for it, then you would be breaking the law if you lied and said you had not seen it just so you could keep it. For added protection, particularly if you find an unusually large sum of money, you uh, may wish to enlist the assistance of an attorney. That's where lawyers come in. Not only will the attorney be able to help you ensure the return of your property by law enforcement should the original owner fail to claim it, they can also guide you through the appropriate legalities and tax consequences for keeping the money. Yes, even found money can be taxable income as far as the IRS is concerned. Whatever you do, learn from um, the mistakes of others. Do not give the money to anyone other than the police. No matter how honest they look, you'll probably never get it back. <laughs> So I thought that was a good summation. 
you find money and you you want to have no possibility of getting any legal trouble report it give it to the cops and expect to never see it again that's what i would say uh but there is a slim chance that they might give it back to you after a couple years and nobody claims it so there you go finders keepers there is some kind of legal backing to finders keepers it's just you're probably never going to keep it <laughs> you're probably never going to get it back but there you go the legality of finders keepers thank you for listening who to thunkers and tune in next week oh wow Thank you.